I want to invite you, if you will, to turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. For some of you who might be new to us, we are embarking upon a series in the book of Proverbs. And as you would open any book, you would assume, just like you would open a book in your local bookstore, that there would be a title for the book that you would be looking to, and that you would also expect an introduction, a prologue, a purpose statement, a reason why a particular book needs to be written, and on what particular subject the author intends. And the same is true for the book of Proverbs. And we find that title and that prologue, that introduction, the purpose for which the book is written, in Proverbs 1, 1 to 7. And before we begin to look at that particular passage this morning, and as we begin our study of the book of Proverbs, let, re, let me remind us of what we said last week as we introduced the theme of a proverb itself by defining that word proverb again. We said that a proverb is a pithy saying. It's a statement or series of statements designed to bring skill and success to one's relationships and responsibilities with God and with man. And to the extent that man follows God's Proverbs, the Proverbs as found in Holy Scripture, he will gain the requisite skill to handle life in God's way. But it is also true to the extent that man chooses not to pursue God's Proverbs. He will handle life in God's world foolishly. The word proverb itself, mashal in the Hebrew, itself means to become like or to be compared with or comparable. And it has the idea of likeness. And it means that you and I are to be compared to something in God's world, either good or bad. When we are using our knowledge well, we could be likened, say for instance, to a cunning fox or a diligent ant. But if we are foolish, disregarding God's word and his world, we might be likened to a stupid beast or a dripping faucet. Whatever the analogy is used by Solomon, or in chapter 30, Agur, or King Lemuel to his mother, or his mother's words to him, we know this. It is descriptive, this proverb or proverbs, a picture of the choice between wisdom and foolishness, righteousness and wickedness, life and death. And when we talk about understanding these proverbs, the ones contained in our Bibles, let me remind you that we are not talking about a grasp 
or a knowledge, a grasp, or understanding of a proverb or these proverbs as a whole exclusively for the purpose of filling up our intellect. I reminded you last week that the proverbs themselves, God's purpose is that they be grasped spiritually speaking. That is, your understanding and your obedience to God Himself. God desires all of us to gain an understanding of His truth. And if we understand the Proverbs as we should, it will be not only for the purpose of gaining some level of information, but with that information we'll be able to minister both to God and to His people. One of the commentaries on Proverbs from Eric Lane tells us about the Proverbs. He says this, Proverbs give us a window on the world. It is truth in street clothes. It provides some keys as to how things work and how people behave. It gives understanding and insight. And with these very, very important reminders in our minds, let's look at chapter 1 and read verses 1 to 7 together. You follow along as I read. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to, rece to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I mentioned in the introduction that there is a title to this book, and it is contained for us in verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. That expresses who the author is. And as I've said before, whenever you open a book and you begin to study it, if you're like me, you cheat a little bit and you want to look at the back cover, at least as they are produced today, to find out what right this author has to pen such a work. And we want to know a little bit about Solomon, just a very little bit, but we need to know about him. What qualifies him to write the Proverbs? What gives him the right to say, I have the wisdom of God and I want to communicate it to you? Well, to know a little bit about him, we need to look at the book of 1 Kings. Solomon is spoken of there, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings 4. And I want you to see what does indeed qualify this man Solomon, the son of King David, the king of Israel, to write most of these Proverbs. Well, we find a little bit about him in chapter 4, beginning in verse 29. Now, I want you to notice this, especially you young people. Because this is an amazing description of a person. It says in verse 29 of 1 Kings chapter 4, Now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment 
and breadth of mind like the sand that is on the seashore. What a statement. What an incredible description of a human being underneath God's will and way. And then in verse 30, Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all of the sons of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezrahite, Haman, Calcol, and Darda the sons of Nahal, and his fame was known in all the surrounding nations, who spoke about 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon, even to the hyssop that grows on the wall. He spoke also of animals and birds and creeping things and fish. In other words, he used God's world to picture us and our relationship to it. He used analogies. Verse 34 says, Men came from all peoples to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. Boy, that is an incredible description of a wise person. No doubt the wisest on the earth even at that time. Now, how was it that Solomon came to this wisdom? Well, you have to go back to chapter 3 to find out about that. And one thing you notice in chapter 3 of 1 Kings is verse 3 and what it tells us. It says, Now Solomon loved the Lord. And that's a very important statement. God doesn't give his wisdom to those who don't love him. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David. And then look at verse 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said, Ask what you wish me to give you. What a dream and what a request. God says, ask what you will and I will give it to you. Of course, within the bounds of his character, within the providence of his creation, he says, ask what you wish me to give you. Boy, there's a lot of things that a person could ask, right? A lot of things that a person could ask. What does Solomon say? Look at verse 6. Then Solomon said, you have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness, that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen, a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. What's he doing here? You know what he's doing? He's confessing his great humility before this God. He's saying, I can't do this. I can't be this king that you have called me to be. I'm too young at this. I don't know even how to go out or come in. I don't know my way in or out. I I don't know what to do. This people is so great. Too many to be numbered or counted. Verse 9, so give your servant an understanding heart. 
to judge your people, to discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? Acknowledging that God is really the ultimate king. I can't do this, Lord. You're the only one who can shepherd this people. I can't do it. Who is able to judge this great people of yours? And notice God's response in verse 10. It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. He came up with the right answer. God said to him, verse 11, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked for the life of your enemies. In other words, you haven't asked for all of the wrong things, all of the things that people who don't love me would ask for, money, power, authority over those who are your enemies, a long life so you can take your ease. No, because you've asked for the right thing, because you've asked for yourself discernment to understand justice, behold, I have done according to your words. And I can just imagine that the very moment that God spoke those things and said, you have what you asked for, Solomon immediately was granted the wisdom that was beyond the sand in the seashore. It doesn't mean he wasn't going to learn things along the way. It just means that his mind was then granted the capability to understand vast amounts of God's world. And he says, I've done it according to your words. Behold, I've given you a wise and discerning heart so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. What an incredible statement. I've also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor. In other words, on top of this, because you did the right thing, because you asked for the right things, so that there will not be any among the kings like you all your days. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commandments as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. Then Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered burnt offerings and made peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. It's time to celebrate God's great gift. This is the author. I would assume now he has the right to write what he's written. Do you think so? you think he's wise enough to be able to write down some Proverbs for us? No one who has arisen before him just like him and no one after him just like him. Boy, what a biography on the dust jacket of a book. This is Solomon, the great, great wisdom. Does it mean that he was sinless? No, you just have to read a little bit more and find out that he wasn't sinless, wasn't perfect, but of all the wisdom that was given man, he was given it all. Now we could look at Solomon and what he's intending to tell us by looking at verses 2 through 6 of Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 being a conclusion. And in verses 2 through 6 of Proverbs chapter 1, he's going to give us this wise man Solomon. He's going to give us the information about the purpose of the book. And this is great. This is an introduction. This is a preface. This is telling us what we're going to find when we're in the book of Proverbs. 
This is very important to know because this is the intent of the writer as he writes all that he writes. What is the purpose? Sometimes you read a book. I know at least I do. And about halfway through the book, I'm saying to myself, what is the point? What's the point of this book? Where is it going? I read the introduction, and it said we want to go here and there. The only problem is we never went here and there. We went somewhere else. And Solomon wants us to know exactly where he's going. And believe you me, he delivers. He delivers on exactly what he says is the purpose of the book of Proverbs. And I see two of them here. Two purposes for the book of Proverbs. Number one, number one, you have a pen handy, you need to write this down. The purpose of the book of Proverbs is to give man the necessary moral skill in order to live life to the glory of God. Let me say that again. It's very important as we understand the entirety of the Proverbs. The purpose of the book of Proverbs is to give man the necessary moral skill, key idea there, moral skill, in order to live life to the glory of God. Now that is contained for us in verses 2 through 4. And then in... Verses 5 to 6, we have the second purpose of the book of Proverbs, and let me give it to you now. The purpose of the book of Proverbs, according to verses 5 and 6, secondly, is to give man the requisite mental direction in order to know and serve God. The first, to give man the necessary moral skill to live to the glory of God, and secondly, to give man the requisite mental direction, what to know, what to understand, in order to know and serve God best. Verses 5 and 6. Now let me say also that throughout this particular passage, verses 1 to 7, we are impacted by the sheer number of words which speak of roughly the same idea what it is to live and think about God. And I want you to notice that there are 15 different words which describe this living for and thinking about God. Notice with me, there's the word know in verse 2. The word wisdom, verse 2. Instruction, verse 2. Discernment, verse 2. Understanding, verse 2. Wise behavior, verse 3. Righteousness, verse 3. Justice, verse 3. Equity, verse 3. Prudence, verse 4. Knowledge, verse 4. Discretion, verse 4. Learning, verse 5. Wise, wise counsel, verse 5. And fear, verse 7. And all of those are bunched up in one passage to show us the accumulative data the accumulative information, the accumulative understanding about how Proverbs can affect your life. And it is rich. It is rich. Now some of you might say, well, what is the reason all of these similar words are stacked up upon one another? One writer says this very well, chock full of meaty morsels about wisdom, this paragraph is designed to whet the appetite of even the most casual reader. Its synonyms, piled one on another, are calculated to show wisdom's well-stoked larder. 
They are an instance of the use of repetition by Hebrew authors to expand, reinforce, and enrich the meaning of a concept. It is their accumulative force that conveys the teacher's intention more than the precise nuance of each term, though each word adds something to our understanding of wisdom. In other words, what the Hebrew author Solomon wants to do is he wants to stack all of these words, 15 of them that are very similar to each other, in such a way that you and I are just blitzed in our minds about the importance of the purpose of this book. I mean, it would be one thing for an author to say, now, I want you to know the purpose of what I'm writing, and then he states it in a succinct sentence. That's what we would do today. We're into succinctness today in our world. We're into bite-sized information. We want things fast. We want things quickly. We want things done for us in such a short time frame because we desire instant gratification. That's not what the Hebrew language is about. The Hebrew language wants to stack up word after word after word after word, essentially telling us some of the same things over and over and over again. I like that. Oh, how I like that. I like repetition. You know why? Because I'm so forgetful. I'm so forgetful. And it is true that sometimes when I hear something over and over and over again, I know it so well that it is so familiar to me that I become detached because of the familiarity. But God knows best, and God knows that we need the truth, as the Puritans would say, screwed into our minds. We need constantly to be reminded about the truth of God's Word. And the Proverbs are like that. They are just right there at us over and over and over and over again, just telling us what we ought to know, what we ought to understand, what we ought to do. And Solomon wants us to know about knowledge, wisdom, instruction, discernment, understanding, wise behavior, righteousness, justice, equity, prudence, knowledge, discretion, learning, wise counsel, and fear. All of them shades of differences, nuances of differences, but all really driving toward the same thing. And what he's driving at for us are those two things, the moral skill to live life to the glory of God and the mental direction of our minds in order to know and serve God best. That's what he's saying. If we don't understand anything else out of the book of Proverbs, one thing we must understand is the purpose of the whole book. If we lose sight of the purpose, we've lost sight of it all. It's not knowledge for knowledge's sake. It's not just doing for doing's sake. It is for the moral skill to live to the glory of God and the mental direction to know and serve God best. And this is what we're going to find in the Proverbs. Now, I'm not going to define all of these words. I'll define some of them because they're very, very important. But I do want us to know these two purposes, and I want us to know it well from these verses. Look at the first one, the moral skill area in verses 2 through 4. The first thing that Solomon wants us to know about the purpose of the book of Proverbs is that they are designed, that is, the Proverbs, in verse 2, he says, to give us the knowledge of the right kind of wisdom and instruction. Do you see it there? To know wisdom and instruction. It's not knowledge for its own sake, as I said, but it's an intellectual and moral pursuit of two things, wisdom and and instruction. Now this wisdom that he's talking about, it's not Greek wisdom as we might have studied it in school. It's not 
Roman wisdom. It's not any of that wisdom that's coming from Egypt. It's not any of that. It's the wisdom that comes to us from God. This is a great, great concept, this word wisdom. It's the Hebrew word hakma. And it's the major Hebrew word which encompasses all of the other words. It's sort of like the banner word. When you say wisdom, you've said it all. There are nuances of differences. There are shades of differences. But really, when you talk about hakma, you're talking about the wisdom that God used in creating the world. You're talking about the elastic term, the great term that speaks of it all. And that's the first thing Solomon says. I want you to know wisdom. I want you to know it all. This is a great word, wisdom. It's used, by the way, in Exodus 31.6 of the skill of a craftsman doing his work in the tabernacle. It's used also of the wisdom of seasoned mariners trying to set the right course in Psalm 107, verse 27. It's used also of the wisdom of an administrator carrying out his responsibilities in 1 Kings 3.28. And it's used also of the wisdom of a wise counselor, someone who is very skilled in his speech in 2 Samuel 20, verse 22. In other words, it's an inclusivist word that speaks of the ability to make wise choices in order to live successfully in God's world. Boy, if you understood anything about the Proverbs, it is a book of wisdom. It's a book that demands our attention because it says, I am the key for you to live successfully in my world, God says. Its opposite, by the way, is seen in verse 7, where Solomon says, fools despise wisdom. If you're going to be godly, if you're going to be living in God's world, you're going to be loving this wisdom, or he, as he says here, to know it, to know it experientially, to know what it means to understand and live to the glory of God. So if I'm studying the Proverbs, I'm studying them for the purpose as a series of teachings designed to give me the requisite moral skill for seeing how God created the world and how I fit into it and how, my, how I am to properly function within this world. I'd say then that this is a very important book, wouldn't you? He says, in addition to that, to know wisdom and instruction, musar. The idea of in the book of Proverbs, correction. It might be generally synonymous with our term admonishment. It's not just the idea of wisdom, of knowing God's world, but it's also the fact that we are sinners in God's world, and there are times when we're thinking wrong thoughts about God, and God has to come through us in some means and show us how to be corrected in our thoughts. There's a punitive element here. To know wisdom, that's the banner term, and to be corrected, to be instructed. Purpose of the Proverbs is to give me the moral skill, that is, the wisdom I need to know from God and His world, and the correction that I need when I misunderstand God and His world. And if the word wisdom is positive, then the word instruction is negative. It's sort of like what Paul says in Ephesians 6, 4, when he says, bring your children up in the what? in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Nurture, that's the wisdom. Admonition, that's the correction. That's the idea. That's what God is doing to us as spiritual children. We're called by God to teach our children His wisdom, the skillful handling of life, 
but we as his spiritual children are called upon to be corrected ourselves, to be disciplined when we stray from the right course of action. And this is the same thing that Solomon is saying for all of us. All of us, whatever path we're on in terms of our spiritual maturity, we're all in desperate need of wisdom and correction. We're all desperately in need of that. And then he says at the end of verse 2, to discern the sayings of understanding. Oh, I love this. Can I camp out on this for a while? Thank you for giving me the privilege. Discernment. This is a great word. You need to know it. Discernment is the Hebrew word ben. And it means the ability to distinguish the wisdom of the world from the wisdom of God. It's the ability to discern or distinguish the true from the false, the good from the bad, the better from the best. It's the idea that when God comes to me through these Proverbs, He tells me this is good and this is bad. And when I know it, when I know these Proverbs, when I have them in my heart, I'm able then by God's grace and by His capability to say this is good and this is bad. This is better and this is best. This is true and this is false. This is righteousness and this is death. I need that discerning power in my life, don't I? We all need the ability by God's grace to say, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go down that path. I know what it's like there. I may have actually experienced that path before, and I know the dangers that are fraught with that path. I don't want to do that. I want to go this path because this is the true, this is the best. This is discernment. And he says to discern the sayings of understanding or words of insight. Words of insight. It gives the person the training necessary to distinguish immediate gratification over against the permanent spiritual values of this life. And he says to discern the sayings of understanding or words of insight. Words of insight. It gives the person the training necessary to distinguish immediate gratification over against the permanent spiritual values of this life. I'm not so ready just to jump into a decision. I weigh it. I look at it. I observe it. And then I discern. That means I distinguish. Literally, I, I look at a piece of cloth, and I say to myself, is this cloth what I like? Is this what I want? Is this best for my family, or is it not? That's what they do in the market. They look at a piece of meat. They would say, is this meat best for me? Is it good for me? Is it, is it healthy? Is it expired? Is it putrid? I want to discern. How can I look at it? I look at it. I observe it. They looked at all of their life, and they made discernment decisions. And that's what Solomon says. This is what this book can allow you to do. Who wouldn't want that? Who, who wouldn't want that? That's tremendous. And then notice what he says in verse 3. He says, to receive instruction in wise behavior. Literally, to store it up. That word receive. To store up instruction. To store up this correction that God gives me. And some of your Bibles actually may say prudence, to receive prudence or to receive instruction in prudence. Prudence means acting circumspectly, means to use your common sense and your judiciousness. And the instruction and the 
Discipline produces a person who has gathered or gained a prudent life. By the way, do you know that that word prudence is one of the words used in 1 Timothy 3 to talk of an elder? An elder is qualified by virtue of his judiciousness, his ability to come into a situation and determine the right from the wrong, the true from the false, the good from the bad, the better from the best. That's a prudent man. We should all be called to such a prudence. We should all be called to this idea of the storing up of correction that brings me to a place of wise behavior. And then he produces three words to tell us what that wise behavior looks like. Righteousness, justice, and equity. It's enough to say this very quickly. What is right, what is just, and what is fair. Right, just, and fair. I want to know the right thing to do so I can do it. I want to know that what I'm doing is just for me and for others around me, and I want to be fair in my relationships to God and to other people. Well, who wouldn't want that? I mean, I'm into this book. I'm into this book. This is a book that's going to tell me how to be just and right and fair. It's going to tell me where I'm wrong, how to correct me. It's going to tell me that I can be a prudent man. It's going to tell me that I can gain understanding. It's going to tell me how to live life according to God. Verse 4 goes on to say that the book of Proverbs will give prudence, or because it's a different word that's used in verse 3, wise behavior, shrewdness. Shrewdness. Boy, how many times have you said to yourself, I may have my credit card with me, I may have my checkbook, I may have my car, I may have my keys, I may have my house, I may have a whole lot of things, but right now what I need more than anything else than all of those other security items is shrewdness. Shrewdness. I need a lot of shrewdness right now in this decision making. And he says, you study the book of Proverbs, you'll be given that. In fact, you'll be given it to such a degree that you'll be so mature, so godly, so wise, that you'll be able to turn around and give it to whom? Verse 4, the naive. You see your marginal translation there? In my Bible it says, simple ones. We might say the simpletons. The people who are young and foolish. The people who are in desperate need of this kind of prudence, this kind of shrewdness. In other words, what kind of moral skill will I acquire? If I apply the intended purpose of the book of Proverbs, summing it up, it would be this. I will receive the necessary skill to understand God's world properly, the instruction that He gives, that is, the correction to our waywardness. The book of Proverbs will give me the discernment in order to distinguish the good from the evil, the true from the false, the better from the best. This book will give me great words of insight. It will me, give me great wise behavior. It will in turn produce in me what is right, just, and fair. It will further give me a purposeful knowledge which will bring me out of that stage where I am, that is, a naive, simpleton, an immature person. What I desperately need in order to live life in this world is to give glory to God, and this is exactly what the purpose of this book is intends to do. You interested? You interested in that kind of book? You interested in the moral skill that God says is available for this life? Boy, it's so desperately needed, not only for the individual, but it needs to be modeled as well. How many people, including ourselves, make what amounts 
in many cases, to be a dumb decision. Boy, I make those all the time. And I say to myself, what are you doing? You know, and you sort of talk to yourself and say, what a naive simpleton. And even though this particular word naive is a, is a category that speaks of someone who's an unbeliever, look, that's how we all started out. And even when we become believers, we are on the road to putting away all of that simpleton stuff putting away all the simple things of the world, trying to do our very best to understand how we're to survive in this very ugly, dark, dying world. Well, do you want to know a little bit of wisdom, knowledge, understanding, wise behavior, righteousness, justice, equity, prudence? And he says at the latter part of verse 4, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. So he really says that there are two kinds of people, or really two descriptions of the one person, the naive and the youth. It just doesn't mean just someone who's chronologically young. It means someone who's immature. Someone who's immature. Someone who is naive, a simple person, because they're not giving themselves the opportunity to understand the deeper things, and a person who is young in terms of his spiritual maturity. And if you want what the book of Proverbs is willing to give you, then strap yourself in because we're in for the ride of our life. Well, I can't tell you how important studying the book of Proverbs really is for the practical stuff of life. I looked again late last night for all of the subject matter that I could, just again, just coming up with all of the things that you could see out of the book of Proverbs. I had to give up. I had to give up. It was too late. I mean, everything that seems to be under the sun, the Proverbs tells us about. I was looking on the plane last night for some of these verses that talk about just food in the Proverbs. I was hungry. And you know what I found? I found some passages on eating in moderation and gluttony. So when the airline flight attendant came by, I said, no, thank you. No. None for me. Why? Because when you read the book of Proverbs, you're going to say to yourself, well, I want to do what's there. I want to do what it says. And when I read a verse like that, I say, I need to examine my life. I need to examine myself. I want to have the moral skill. I want to be able to have the maturity in my spiritual life for which when I look at the Word of God, I see the mirror coming back to me and saying, you're doing well. You're doing well. You're doing what I want you to do. I want to be like Solomon. God, give me this wise and discerning heart. Is that what you want? Is that what you want in your life? Is that what you're all about? Well, the book of Proverbs gives it to you. You want to know principle number two? We'll know it next time. Let's pray together. Father, the book of Proverbs it slays us. It slays us. It, it kills us. It mortifies us. Because it challenges us in our waywardness. It shows us that we are in desperate need of the moral skill to live life in a way that pleases You. Oh Lord, if You could give us even 
one half of one percentage point of the wisdom that you granted Solomon of old so that we would take up just a few of those grains of sand that would speak of our own wisdom so that we might be pleasing to you because you granted to us a very wise and discerning heart. Father, I pray for myself and for my family and for the families represented here that we would study this book, that we would know these truths, that we would see in the mirror of your word the example of what to be and what not to be. The example of looking at our world and seeing it, both the good and the bad. And that you would give us, Holy Father, what you want us to know so that we could both apply it and then pass it on to our children. We ask that you would do this for us because indeed this moral skill is not just for ourselves, but it is for your glory. And we give it to you in Christ's name. Amen.